You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. All right, so what we were going to do this morning is we were going to do something we hadn't done in a while because of the pandemic, but publicly practice this way of reading scripture called Lectio Divina. It is a way of reading a small section of scripture three times. You read it once for uh, just letting it wash over you. You read it aloud. And you listen for a word or phrase that pops out at you in that scripture. And then you would read it a second time. We call that meditatio. We, We meditate on it where we read the scripture aloud again, maybe with a different voice, same translation. And we ask what phrase, or where does that phrase, where does that word touch my life? What do I hear? What do I see? What do I feel when I consider the word or phrase that jumped out at me in my own life? And then we would read it a third time. We call that oratio. It's, it's more like the prayer of the heart where we would then sit in the quiet and we would ask the Lord, what do you want me to do in light of this word or this phrase that touches my life. And we would sit with that. And what we would do in a public gathering is we would share the word. So we would read it the first time. People would just share the word, nothing more, no commentary, just the word. And we would let the word sit in the room. And then we would share the phrase in the second reading and nothing more, no commentary, just a phrase and maybe where it touches one's life. Maybe somebody would say, I feel like I need to forgive or I feel like I need to surrender. And it would be somewhat rather like general. And then in the settling of the text, as we spend time in the prayer of the heart, what I would then attempt to do is draw together some themes that was revealed by the Holy Spirit in the room. That's how we practiced this for years, for, well, 10 years when we have done this practice. It's been a while since we've done it. But what I want to do this morning is I just want to offer us a word as we step into this new calendar year. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at several scripture this morning. I'm going to have to get my Bible. We're going to start off with Jeremiah 17. The word of the Lord from the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. Blessed be the man who trusts in the Lord, and the Lord becomes his trust. He will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out toward a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes. And its foliage remains green. In a drought year, it shall have no care. It never ceases from producing fruit. I'm going to read that text one more time. Blessed be the man who trusts in the Lord. And the Lord becomes his trust. He will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out toward a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes and its foliage remains green. In a drought year, it shall have no care and never cease from producing fruit. Now that's Jeremiah 17, verses 7 through 8. But There's a less pleasant text that precedes this text in Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Here's what it says. 
And it seems when it starts off, this is what the Lord says, we really need to pay attention. Because even though we understand the Lord to be speaking through Scripture, when the prophet says, hey, I want to be sure you all know the Lord is speaking, not me, we need to pay attention. This is what the Lord says. The man who trusts in mankind, who makes human flesh, or humans, his strength, and turns his heart from the Lord, is cursed. He will be like a juniper in the Arabah, or like a desert. He cannot see when good comes. You hear that? He cannot see when good comes, but dwells in the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land where no one lives. I want to read that again. This is what the Lord says. A man who trusts in mankind, who makes human flesh his strength and turns his heart from the Lord is cursed. He'll be like a juniper in the desert. He cannot see when good comes, but dwells in the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land where no one lives. What's this all mean? Self-reliance leads to blindness, beloved. As we step into this new year, let's remember self-reliance leads to blindness. It's hard to see the reward if you're putting your trust in man, it's hard to see the unfolding of God's story in your life if you're putting your trust in humanity. The joy and the deep peace that we are we created for will elude us. If you look at the text, it says we cannot see when good comes. Self-reliance leads to a form of blindness. We can't see God move because we're looking at self. Self-reliance meaning also placing our hope in other people. Placing our hope in other people. That's just as dangerous. But Jeremiah doesn't lead us there. Leave us there. Jeremiah leads us out of that belief of self-reliance into a God-reliance. It says in verse 7, But blessed be the man who trusts in the Lord, and the Lord becomes his trust. He will be like a tree planted by water. See the contrast? Versus being a bush in the desert. Trusting in the Lord is a tree planted by water. Just from being a bush, you become a tree. In a parched land, you become someone planted by a stream when you trust in the Lord. Doesn't fear heat when it comes. Still bears green leaves. And in a drought year, doesn't allow the anxiety to overwhelm it. It never ceases from producing fruit. Here's what I think Jeremiah is trying to say. I think... Jeremiah is trying to say that genuine faith produces obedience. Genuine faith produces a life that follows Jesus. And notice that I didn't say strong faith. I just said faith. It's important to learn that it's not the strength of our faith, but the object of our faith that actually saves us. We just choose trust. And in that, obedience leads to seeing. And in that seeing, we find peace. Because seeing God's loving rule in your life leads to peace. Seeing God's inbreaking kingdom surround your life can lead to peace. That's why Jesus in John chapter 4, it's one of my favorite texts in Scripture, calls us to this. John chapter 14, verses 19. In a little while, the world will see me no longer, but you will see me. You see that? You will see me. Remember how Jeremiah said, the one who places trust in man won't see good when good comes? 
The one who places trust in the Lord will see. You will see me, Jesus says. <coughs> because I live, you will live too. In that day you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will experience the love of my Father. And he will experience my love. And here's my favorite part. And I will reveal myself to them. So here's what I'm trying to say, beloved. This isn't just intellectual kind of Christianity. When we place our trust and our faith in Jesus, in the promises of God, we adhere to the teachings of God in Jesus, we tend to the presence of God in Jesus, God's Spirit opens up our eyes to see, and we begin to experience Jesus. That's what I believe this is saying. A relationship with Jesus isn't one of the head, it is one of the head and the heart and the body. It isn't even just one of the head and the heart, it's one of the head and the heart and the body. And then it's one of the body and community. The life of Jesus is to be experienced in the life of the community of people who follow Jesus, and it's to be experienced in life in the world. So this isn't just believing Jesus, this is a believing in Him, believing Him, trusting in Him, following Him, and then trusting that Holy Spirit will show us what we need to see, show us what we need to do, speak to us in the ways that we need to hear. We can hear a word from Jesus. We can see Jesus at work. Many times we don't see Jesus at work because our eyes are turned inward. We are doing it on our own. We're trying to figure it out on our own. We're developing our own strategies. We're not grounded in our faith. So what I wanted to talk about this morning is I wanted to offer us three ideas. I don't ever do this, you know, three ideas to a grounded faith. Kind of have an aversion to that, but I have three ideas to a grounded faith <laughs> that I want to offer. And uh, it comes from uh, Peter Scazzaro's work, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, and it's just sat with me ever since I, I heard this a while ago, um, these, these little words have sat with me in this idea of being grounded in our faith. And so, if you have your Bibles, we're going to do some Bible work. Um, so, I'm going to ask you to turn to John 6. I want to just want to set a scene here. As Jesus feeds um, all of these people with the bread and the fish. In John chapter 6, 28, verse 29, listen to what What's asked of Jesus? Verse 28, what can we do to perform the works of God? So we talk about obedience, right? We're talking about works. We're talking about doing good. We're talking about the gritty practical reality of following Jesus. And so Jesus asks, what can we do to perform the works of God? Jesus replies, this is the work of God. That you believe in the one he has sent. That's the work. The work is to trust him. Moment by moment. The work is to receive the invitation to believe. To believe in Jesus. To, what that means is not believe in His existence. I want to be very clear. This does not mean believe in His existence. It means to trust what He says is true about life. And set out that way. That's to believe in Him. To believe in Him is to believe Him. That's the work. And I think that's the work because that's hard enough work. Like it's, it's hard enough to, to love enemies, right? Like, like Jesus says, hey, trust me, 
You can love your enemies. All right, well, then I'm going to try to love my enemies. That's the work. Trusting in Jesus to do the thing. We don't do the thing we need to do if we don't have the trust that the consequences will shake out. That's the work. Matter of fact, I think that's the work because John uses the same language. Are you ready for this? 98 times in his gospel. That's a lot of times. Believe in Jesus. Believing in Jesus, trusting Jesus moment by moment, trusting His promises, trusting in His presence, trusting His teaching, trusting that what He says is true about life and that He's with me in that trust, that's the work. It requires that we stop all the straining, all the self-reliance, and instead... We choose to settle our minds and hearts in Him. And that's the first word I want to give us. If we want to stay grounded in our faith, first thing we have to do is we have to settle down. We have to settle. We have to settle in. Settle in and settle down. Now, the image I have in my imagination when I say the word settle is the image of a mother or a father going into a a room with all the kids and it's all frantic and it's hurried and they say, settle down. (laughs) That settle. Just a, you might even say the word relax. We might have said the word rest. Settle. Settle into the promises of Jesus. Instead of being loud and busy-bodied and hurried, because when we are, we can't give God our fullest attention. Settle. Settling down means that we're trusting God with the consequences of our actions. You do what's right and trust God with the consequences. That's the settle. Refuse to negotiate your integrity and just trust God with the consequences. That's the settle. Practice mercy and justice and trust God with the consequences. That's the settle. Tell the truth according to Scripture and do so out of genuine love for your neighbor and then trust God with the consequences. That's to settle. Practice compassion. Trust God with the consequences. That's to settle. Say no and let go and trust God with the consequences. That's to settle. Listen and do what Jesus teaches and models and trust God with the consequences. That's to settle. Don't try to manage the outcomes. Are you with me? Don't try to strategically work out the what ifs and then what's. Just trust God with the consequences. That is to settle. And that's the work. Is it not? Like, isn't that the work? To not try to manage it, to not try to control it, to not start leaning into our own strength. Remember, Jeremiah? We start moving towards self-reliance, which leads us to blindness. Settle. I know that I am settling. I know that I'm settling. When I'm enjoying communion with Jesus, even in the midst of the disappointments and storms, I know that I am settling. When I'm maintaining my rhythms of being with Jesus in moments of great pressure, I know that I'm settling when I make the time to be with Jesus. I know I'm not settling when I have no time for Jesus. When I'm too busy to pray, when I'm too busy to read Scripture, when I'm too busy to gather with the people of God, when I'm too busy to just breathe and pause when I'm too busy to take off, when I'm too busy to rest, I'm not settling. 
experiencing deep contentment in caring for the people that God has entrusted me, that is a sign of settling. Receiving God's gift of limits rather than fighting, ignoring, or denying those limits, that is, God, that is evidence of me settling. So the first word is settle. All right, second word, detach. If we want to stay grounded in our faith, move away from self-reliance into God-reliance, we settle, and then we have to be willing to detach, beloved. To detach. To do all of this, we have to detach for Jesus, which means we have to choose to be one with God. We have to choose to let go of possessiveness. Possessiveness. We let go of holding on to others or to things. We let go of owning these things, of thinking that we own our resources, thinking that we own our outcomes, thinking that we own our own reputations, thinking that we own our platforms, thinking that we own our successes. Sure, we have responsibility, but what do we say? Settle, settle. Trust God with the consequences. Mark chapter 8, verse 35, 36, you find out when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to the Mount of Transfiguration and they see this extraordinary glory. Remember the story? Peter's initial response is to build an altar of worship. What does Yahweh say to him? What does God speak down to him and say? He speaks down to him and says, listen. Sorry, that's Matthew 17, not Mark. He speaks down to him and says, listen. Detach from your need to do something and just settle and be in the moment. Be open to the unfolding of events and circumstances in your life. Trusting God is working out all things for good for those who, called, who are called according to His purpose, for those who love Him, for those who know Him. We set goals and we set direction for our lives, but we release attachment to any particular outcomes. We detach, we trust God, the consequences. We engage in active service to Jesus with a passionate kind of, of active faith, but it's detached from control, which means then I can't manipulate people. I don't have to manipulate people. I don't have to coerce. I just do what God has asked me to do and trust God with the consequences. When I can trust God with the consequences, beloved, that's when I know I've detached. But when I take on a possessiveness, my business, my ministry, my platform, my assignment, and therefore I'm going to do whatever it takes to make that happen in accordance to my vision, I'm dangerously close to not settling down. Maybe I'm not settled down at all. God will reveal that to us. I'm saying I don't know if we always have to let God reveal that to us. I think we can just know. I think we know when we're trying to own something and we're trying to control something. But the third word, this may become the most important. We settle, we detach, and we listen. That's the third word, we listen. Now, the Greek word for obedience or obey in their scriptures is actually, could actually be better translated, listen attentively. 
To detach from being possessive of others. To detach from being possessive of things. And then to hold on to the teachings, the promises, and the presence of Jesus. We have to be willing to listen. We have to be willing to listen to Jesus. And I know that's not new, and I know it's not an aha. But then my question is, why is it that we don't? Why is it that I sometimes do not? How do we end up falling into this place of self-deception? Well, we think we're listening to Jesus, but we're really listening to ourselves. Well, because we haven't detached. And if we haven't detached, it's because we haven't settled. But if we settle and we detach and we listen, then it looks like something. It looks like seeking godly counsel from mature Christians. It looks like seeking counsel to discern what God is doing in my life. I've heard many people ignore the counsel of wise people of mature faith and still ask that we pray for them. And I'm sometimes thinking to myself, we've been praying for you. You received a word from godly from, from people of mature faith and you're not doing it. I don't know what else you're looking for, right? That's not listening. When we listen, we move with discernment and discretion. It means that we move and we're always listening and we're always looking and we're moving with a prayerful expectation as things unfold and as each step moves steadily forward. But we have to be aware of self-deception. We have to be aware of self-deception because we're so committed in self-devotion. This possessiveness, I think that's what gets us. When we think we are recharged, of managing the outcomes. The fact is, sometimes the direction Jesus wants us to take will be counterproductive. It'll seem counterproductive. Giving away money we don't have, giving away time that I don't have, that seems counterproductive. Letting my schedule get interrupted by being with this person and actually listening to their concerns, that may seem counterproductive. Sometimes it'll cost popularity. Sometimes it'll cost what other people call success. Sometimes listening to the words of Jesus and the way of Jesus betrays what we oftentimes call common sense. Sometimes Jesus is nudging us to do something by the Spirit and that insight that we get runs in line with the Scriptures but contrary with the common sense of society. Sometimes it looks like letting go. Sometimes it looks like decentering myself and taking second place. Which makes sense because Jesus said, He who seeks to be first will be what? Last. And sometimes, listening to Jesus, seeking to detach from the possessiveness of my own life and others and my outcomes and hold on to Jesus and settle, sometimes that journey is a corrective one. Sometimes it even stings. Sometimes it's just outright painful. And that's okay. And hear me on this, beloved. If and when that happens, be gentle with yourself. Forgive yourself for not knowing better until you knew better. Because we don't know what we don't know. But when we do, it matters. We can submit what we know and what we hold to Jesus. So if we want to stay grounded in this crazy world that we live in in 2022, 
where COVID's not going away, it seems, where political and social division isn't going to go away, where everybody's fighting over what truth is, living in this post-truth society. If we're going to stay grounded in our faith, if we're going to be the one that Jeremiah says is blessed, the one who trusts in the Lord, who the Lord becomes the trust, where we're planted like trees by water that send roots out towards streams, doesn't fear when heat comes, whose foliage remains green, and even in drought years have no care and produce fruit. If we want to be that way, then I submit to you that we have to learn to settle, to detach, and to listen. Because I don't know if we can count on 2022 being better. But we can choose to be faithful. We can be better. Better suited to serve. Better suited to love. Better equipped to be fully human. To be the people that God called us to be. We can be faithful despite how unfaithful 2022 may become. Beloved, settle. What is it that you need to detach from? In what ways do you need to listen? When I thought about this and I wrote this for us today, kind of pivoting from not being able to gather with the Lecto Divina it dawned on me that perhaps the greatest warning to all of this really is the self-deception piece. A lot of times I feel like in our country we do a lot of things in the name of Jesus that look nothing like Jesus at all. As Beth Moore said, there's a lot of exaltation of Jesus that actually ends up being an exploitation of Jesus. The only way really to discern this is to do it together in community and to make sure that each one of us, when we come into community with one another, that we are learning what it means to settle, to do the work of trusting in Jesus, doing the work of detaching as we trust in Jesus, not trusting so much in ourselves, trusting in others, trusting in the promises and the presence and the teachings of Jesus. And then listening, listening to the voice of the Spirit through the Scripture, listening to the voice of the Spirit through the wise, mature followers of Jesus within our reach. And then moving forward as a community. Seems to me that that is the way. Christian faith may be a personal faith, but it's not a private faith, it is a public faith. And it requires that we do this faith with one another, that we hold each other to the confession, that we love one another for God's sake, that we guard one another's backs, that we protect the values that each one of us have confessed we hold because Jesus is our King, that we believe one another's motives and question our own enough so that we hold on to our integrity so that we avoid manipulation, avoid scapegoating and blame shifting, and that we encourage one another, that we sing one another's praises, that we encourage one another daily while it's called the day, as Scripture says, 
and that we move forward in that community and we move forward in that commitment. And we hold each other to settling. And we hold each other to detachment. And we hold each other to listening. And that's how I think we can begin staying grounded. Beloved, this world and this society is going to continue to shift, but Jesus will not change. People will claim to have the truth, and it won't be truth at all. And the only way we can discern the truth is to know the truth that is revealed in a person, and that is Jesus. Are you all with me? I've heard that. I've heard people say, I have the truth. Well, if you have the truth, then it has to look like Jesus. Because if your truth doesn't look like Jesus, then it's probably not truth. If what I believe and what I say can be found in the person of Jesus, in the teachings and the ministry of Jesus, then I'm, I'm, I'm on the right path. But if what I believe and what I say cannot be found in the person and the teachings of Jesus, then I need to question things. Then I need to settle, detach, listen, and trust God with the consequences. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.